We are going to dive into the word of God this morning. What an awesome time of worship. Are we blessed? We have an incredible worship team. Absolutely blessed. It is great to see you all here in the house called Grace Valley this morning. And if you are joining us online, we want to say thank you for choosing us and to have us uh, to join us here this morning at Grace Valley. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 15, verse 1 uh, through 14 is where we're going to be reading. It's a rather large portion of scripture, but we are going to make our way through it. And I'm going to be preaching there uh, this morning. I heard we had an incredible time last week. God moved. It was a powerful time. And we're believing that God is going to do the same this morning. Um, I want you to go there. Acts chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 1. And it simply says this. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had, convert, had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he gave it to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither, nor, neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent. And as they listened to Barabbas and Paul telling, telling about the signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them, when they finished, Jesus spoke up. Jesus' brother spoke up, James. And he said, listen to me, Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that your word will not come back void. And we pray for clarity as it is preached today and that freedom will come about to those who are in the vicinity of your word today. In Jesus' mighty name. This chapter is entitled, The Council at Jerusalem. And today's message is simply called, A Place Called Grace. Everybody repeat after me. A Place Called Grace. Everybody repeat after me. A Place Called Grace is what we are looking for and searching for in life. We are looking for a place called grace. This chapter is entitled The Council of Jerusalem. The Civil War might be a better term for it. The showdown in Motown, the thriller in Manila. <laughs> we have come to a place in scripture where the conflict of men 
is trying to override the grace of God. Man's issues often start to get in the way of God's revivals. Welcome to America, where our issues often get in the way of what God is trying to do in mankind. The truth of the matter is that in many of our lives right now, even this morning who are sitting in this room, there is still a battle of grace and law that is taking place. If you have not figured it out, the grace of God draws you while the laws of men, they push you away. This morning, I want to let you know something. The grace of God is saying, come. The grace of God is saying there's room at the cross for you. The grace of God is saying, I don't care what you've done in your past. There is a space, there is a spot for you. The grace of God is calling your name and welcoming you to the throne of Jesus Christ and bringing grace into your life. The word grace is defined as simply this, the Hebrew word, and then there is the Greek word. The Hebrew word is simply chin, as in your chin. As a matter of fact, if you were to say it in sign language, you would do this sign here, chin. It is grace. It is favor, okay? The, the Greek word is literally chanis or chanin, or pronounced where we get our word cherish or charity is where we get this word. It means favor. God wants to give man grace. He wants to give men favor. Should have clapped right there. It's okay. I'm going to help you out. Because what that means is he wants to give you grace. He wants to give you favor. I have a problem. When I read the Bible, I don't read it just in general. I try to make it personal. If you go through my Bible, you will find my name all in it. Because I need it. So when I read this, I say, God wants to give Brian grace. God wants to give Brian favor. This is what grace is. Grace is favor. It is, it, it is also defined to bend the knee. In other words, to come down to. Now you, some of this, this will mess with your theology. You'll say, wait a minute, God is bending his knee to us? It means to come down to, not in character, not in morality, but for communication's sake. In other words, for God so loved the world that he came down, he bent his knee, he sent his son in flesh to the world, that other words that he could communicate with us, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is what we do with our children. We, we want to get their attention and we want to communicate clear, clearly to them. We, we, we bend our knee and we say, hey, look at me, talk to me. This is what grace is. Grace is when God bends his knee and he says, hey, I'm talking to you. Grace, another definition of grace is this, to stoop down in kindness, to show kindness as a superior to an inferior person or thing. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so great that you are so mighty and yet you would stoop down in kindness to show something to, to, to give grace and favor to me even though you know that I may not be on your same level we have spent our whole lives 
As kids, we had these things where you would go up and you would pick up a flower and you would go, he loves me. He loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. And when it ended up on not, you'd be like, oh my God, she doesn't love me. Or you just throw that away and get another flower, right? Didn't have enough petals on it. She has got to love me. We often play this game with God and with grace. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And your emotions are all over the place. Because you have fallen into the belief system that his love is based on your works. You are falling into the belief system that his love is based on your behavior. And if I behave well today, he will love me today. If I behave poorly today, he won't love me. I'm here to tell you that that is a lie from the pits of hell. That's what it is. That's what it is. God changed the game when Jesus died on the cross. He loves me. 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 Will you just stop it? He loves me. It's called grace. It is not a green card to do whatever you want to do or live however you want to live. Let me make that clear. It is not that. It is not that I can go do what I want to do. But what it is, is I will walk out my salvation in fear and trembling because I understand the cost, the price that was paid. I understand the price that was paid. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Let me preach from here. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers that unless you are circumcised, you just can't be saved. You can't be saved unless you're circumcised is what they said. Now this passage of scripture simply starts off by saying certain people. I read that and I laughed. I said, isn't it true? It's always a certain group of people who try to prove that the work of God is not real in your life. Who try to prove that the grace of God is not enough for your life. There's always a certain group of people who will come and try to do this. Point number one, write it down. Grace will always be challenged. Grace will be challenged in your life. There's always a group of people who will show up and try to prove that what grace has just done in your life is not real. They'll try to prove that the work that Jesus did on the cross was not complete. That when Jesus said that it is finished, that he didn't really mean that it was finished, Jeremiah. He he meant kind of. He meant sort of. He meant uh, almost finished. No, he meant that it is finished. Grace has completed the work. It is finished. You no longer have to live and work your way from the outer court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies. The veil has been torn. Grace says come in, but come humbly again with gratitude for what grace has done for you. Scripture tells us when we read this, it says that they went down to Antioch. 
Now, if you look at a map of this geographical area during this time in history, it is interesting because they did not go down. They actually went up. They went up 300 miles north, but scripture says they went down. But if you look at the map, they went up. Something's, something, something, something's wrong here. You see, Antioch is 300 miles north of Judea, not south. So did they go down or did they go up? They went up according to the map. Right away, the writer here is letting us in on the fact that this is not an issue of geographic location. It is not a mistake, but it is a mindset or perception of the Gentiles. The Jews thought and looked down on the Gentiles. So we will go down to these people, not even over to these people because that would make them equal. Not up, which gives the idea of them being above or better than us, but down, lower than, beneath us, under our feet, because we are the chosen people. For some of you who love Ohio State and Michigan football, you already know that, you know, no, no blue. No blue. My wife went there. I say I redeemed her, saved her from those people, okay? <laughs> But if you know anything about that, Ohio State would not even refer to Michigan as Michigan. They refer to them as the team up north. Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> they did not go to teach new believers. They went to criticize the new believers. They went to criticize the outsiders. In other words, they walked up, shook their hand, and said, hello, my name's Brian Pruitt. I just came here today to tell you, you ain't saved. You ain't saved. Don't walk around placing weights on people that not even Christ has placed on you. We often have a tendency to do this. While God had released a world revival, the church got involved in an inner rumble, a civil war, a distraction. And the enemy had them. It started from the get-go. God was moving, the church started fighting. You ain't circumcised. You ain't saved. You don't know Jesus. You didn't do it that way. You didn't do it this way. You didn't hold the note long enough. You didn't read the Bible long enough. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. You ain't saved. Lost. And Jesus was screaming, grace. He was screaming, grace. Some of you might remember this, this game. When I was a kid, we used to do this all the time. You would get one person over here and one person over here, and here's how you started a fight. If there wasn't a fight and you wanted to start one, here's what you did. You walked up to these two guys right here, and you said, baddest one hit my hand first. Some of you remember that. And if this person hits your hand, you can walk over to this person and slap him. <laughs> now here's the trick. That person would not attack you. They would attack the person who hit your hand. And then they would fight. And you stand back and go, oh! <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, this is exactly what the devil did. 
he got two people focused on the wrong thing. They got into a fight over law. He stood back and laughed. And God was saying, hey, it's all about grace. I've done the work. I've done the work. This is an issue of grace. Acts chapter 15, verse 3. They traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. Jews did not travel through Gentile areas, and particularly Samaria. They typically would go around, but they would not necessarily go through. Point number two. I want you to understand that grace, grace will get you through. And it will challenge you to go through. You look at the woman at the well. Why did Jesus go to the city that the Jews went around? And why didn't he, why did he go through instead? He was showing us the impact of grace. It will give you the audacity, the courage, the compassion to go through what you used to go around. But grace gives you the strength. You see, you used to go around the conflict, but now you go through it because of grace. You used to try to avoid tests and trials, but now you can stand in the midst of it because of grace. You used to be concerned about the storms, but now you know that you can speak to the storms and cause them to be still because of grace. And as Pastor Kelly sing this morning, you used to be afraid of the fire, but now you know because of grace, there's somebody who stands in the fire with you, ladies and gentlemen. Grace changes everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10 simply says this. My grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. The grace of God is enough for you. We often create laws that keep mankind from experiencing God's grace. It is in the nature of man to take the things of God and place man-made rules of participation around them. Remember that man does not have a heaven to send you to, nor a hell to put you in. So you need to live your life for one person and one person only. And that is the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. We like to take issues of grace and turn them into issues of talent, ability, gifts, charisma, and self-discipline. In other words, I can see why God uses that person because look how talented they are. I can see why God uses that person because look at the gifts that they already have in their life. That's not true. Every single one of us who are sitting in this room, we have what we have, we are who we are for one reason. Grace. That's it. Because if it's not of grace, then we all get to boast. I was telling you a few months ago that I had a friend who was a rabbi and we studied for many years together and although we had different belief systems it was very interesting to me because um, he was he was Jewish and considered and I was considered to be the Gentile in the friendship as I found out as I told you once I had spoke at the international rabbi conference for him and he introduced me as such that I was a uh, yes, I was an African-American Gentile. So that's what he said, okay? And, I, and as I told you guys, I was looking for the Gentile in the room. I was like, where is, there's a Gentile in the room. Where are they? Let me tell you part two of that story. 
As our friendship grew, we had wonderful conversations. We would study the word together. It was just awesome. We didn't always agree. But I asked him, I said, tell me what is your perspective of us as Christians? He says, oh, Brian, that's easy. He said, you're like the guy, you're like the kid we invited to our house who walked in disrespectfully, put his feet up on the, on the kitchen table, doesn't know when to leave, refers to my father as your father, ignores me, forgetting that I was here first, this is my family. He says, in other words, we see you as very prideful. I was taken back. But I was listening. And I said, I am so sorry that we've come off as that. As if we barged into the house and we forgot who you were. He says, you wouldn't like anybody who walked in your house and did that. It's made it hard for us to like you. I said, I'm so sorry. He said, tell us, he said, tell me how you guys see us. I said, kind of a us for no more mentality. Kind of a, the opposite. You see us as prideful because we came in disrespectfully. I said, we kind of see you as prideful because you won't just accept us and let us in. And he said, I am so sorry. We hugged it out. We became really good friends. But we gained an understanding of one another. And the truth was, he belonged to God. And we belong to God. It's called grace. It's called grace. The grace of God. Grace, I like to use this acronym. God's redemption at Christ's expense. Not at your expense. Not by anything you've done. But God's redemption at Christ's expense. They forgot that when Jesus died, the veil was torn, which gives us all access into the Holy of Holies. That that veil was torn and grace tore that veil. Grace tore the veil. They spent a lot of time trying to sew the veil back up, but grace tore the veil. Some of you, when you were growing up, may you, maybe you had the same room in your house. My mother had a house in the living room that nobody could go in. Who had that room at the house? Don't you go in that room. Now we're talking about an 800 square foot house. The largest room is that room. You take that room away, we are living in 200 feet, 250 square footage right now. This is a family of four. And my mother would say, don't you go in that room. And in that room, she kept all her good stuff. And in that room was the best couch in the house. And that couch was so treasured that that couch had plastic wrapped around it. I have never seen a couch last so long. I'm like, why did we buy the couch for if we can't sit on the couch? The couch wouldn't even get old. It just, it was like in a museum back there. But every now and then, my mama would leave the house. 
and you shouldn't have told me I couldn't. Because I wouldn't have. If you, could have, if you would have just told me going there anytime you want, I'd be like, there's nothing in there but couches wrapped in plastic. But the fact he told me I couldn't, when you laugh, I walk into that room. I sit on that couch. And when you try to get up, you're stuck to it, James. You know this, right? You're stuck to this couch. And that couch doesn't go back together like it used to. So when your mama came home, she'd go, who's been sitting on my couch? You go, how do you know people been sitting on that couch? I can tell there's footprints in the living room. That's how new the carpet stayed forever. That was the holy of holies in my house. Here's the good news. The older I got, I could just walk right into that room and sit on that plastic couch and get my thighs stuck to it anytime I wanted to. Listen. Grace says come. Grace says enter in. Next point. Grace creates humility. At least it should. Grace says, you know what, God, I understand what you've done for me. And because you've done this for me, Lord God, I raise my hands in thankfulness. I do not abuse grace by thinking I can do what I want to do. But God, I walk out my salvation with fear and trembling, Lord God. I thank you for your grace. Grace should bring about a humility. Understanding that we should not have this relationship with God, but because of grace we do. His favor, his grace has given us access to have relationship with him. And that alone, when we wake up in the morning, should cause us to raise our hands and say, Father God, I am thankful. I have a, a spirit of gratitude because, Lord God, you have given me access to relationships with you, Lord God. They could not understand this. The Pharisees could not understand it. The Jews could not understand it at the time. Christ told them that the story like this. He said it is like trying to put new wine into old wineskins. And for some of us still to this day, it is very much like that. Here's what would happen in the process of making wine. They would take the wine, they would pour it into animal skins. And that wine would begin to ferment. And, it, and when it would ferment, it would give off gases. And that, the, the animal skin would expand with the gases. And, and eventually the gases would come out and then you could have the wine. But the animal skins would dry out and stretch out and never go back to being the same. So Christ, what he was saying was simply this. You can't take new wine, pour it into old dried out animal skins that will no longer expand hello closed minds closed minds I got saved I must have been saved for three months I had somebody come up to me once and say hey you're not saved I said I'm not no you're not saved I said wow I, I swear I went to that altar and Jesus did something in my life I said, why did you say I'm not saved? Because you got that earring in your ear. I said, excuse me? Because I got an earring in my ear? I said, wow, well, I want to make sure I got everything right. I know some of y'all are thinking, Pastor Brian had it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I was killing the game. I was killing the game, I'm telling you. How you think I got my wife, huh? How do you think I got her? Huh? I was killing the game. I took my earring out, put it in my pocket. I didn't know no better. I said, man, I swear, I don't feel any different. I wasn't raised in church. I thought, I said, I don't feel no different. And the more I learned, the more I realized he didn't care about the earring that was in my ear. That was a man-made rule for somebody who created a law to try to challenge the grace of God that was on my life. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and get a pack of earrings, okay? Every guy in here will show up next Sunday with one. Every guy, nice long one, right? It's like. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> Not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you was she was trying to complete the work in me that God had already completed. And I didn't know no better, so I listened. And the truth was, when Jesus said it was finished, he meant it was finished. Now everybody, when I walk out of service today, you're going to be looking at my ears. I already know it. I want you to put up this video. Give me the rain video. This is the law. This is what it looks like. It's not bad. It's just reluctant rain. Slow drip, coffee. It's reluctant. And when Moses came down with that law, do you know that that law brought with it judgment? It held people accountable, but on that day, 3,000 people died. Because remember, he came down with the law and they had just made a golden calf. And the law brought about judgment. The law held people accountable, but it didn't necessarily help you live, live the law. You were on your own self-discipline to make it happen. It rained on the just and the just alone. It was nothing wrong with the law. The law was needed. Some of you know him as the Ten Commandments. But if you do more study, you will find out that there were nearly over 600 commandments that they had to follow, 600 laws. Do you know how perfect you would have to be? You're going to fail at some point in time. That's reluctant rain. That's the law. Let me show you what grace looks like. Grace looks like this. Jesus goes, he dies on the cross for our sins, and when he dies on the cross for our sins, it starts to rain. This is willing rain. This is what grace looks like. 
This is what we mean when we say mercy is falling like a sweet, sweet rain. This is what we mean when we say amazing grace. This is what we mean when we go from Exodus when Moses comes down from the mountain and 3,000 people die because they immediately find out that they are going to struggle living according to this law. And yet there was nothing wrong with the law. The law was needed, but it brought about judgment. This grace right here, it falls in the book of Acts. And when it falls in the book of Acts, over here in Exodus, 3,000 people die immediately. Over here in Acts, 3,000 people get saved and added to the church. Over here, it says, this is how you must live. Over here, it tells us, I'm going to help you live this way through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a question for you, body of Christ. Can you stand the rain, as New Edition would say? <laughs> Can you stand the rain? Can you stand the mercies of God? Can you stand the blessings of God? Can you stand the favor of God? Because grace is pouring and it's raining. And like a kid, may I encourage you, go outside and dance in the grace of God today. <laughs> Worship team, if you would come. I challenge you to dance in the grace of God. It's falling. And it's falling all over your life. Do not continue to live your life under man-made laws. Study your word. Find out what God requires of you. Understand what grace is and what grace is not. Again, it is not a green card to do whatever you want. It is the strength to get up when you find out how human you are. Grace says, get up. Grace says, come walk with me, my child. Destiny, come here. If she falls, I'm her father. Grace says, get up. Grace doesn't kick her when she's down. I'm her father. If I kick her when she's down, what can I expect the world to do when she's down? If I create laws and rules that will never allow her to win, what would the world do to her? Even as parents, we know when they're down, grace says, pick them up. Even as parents, we know you can't keep putting rules around kids that never allow them to win. Grace says, you can win. You can win. I want you to, this morning to stand to our feet as we begin to get ready to close out I want to leave you with two last points grace always leads and comes with questions 
always comes with questions. You remember the prodigal son and his big brother? They were just a picture of the Jews and the Gentiles. How come he gets to go do that and then he comes back and then you give him grace? And God says, you, you've always been in my house. I love you. You both are mine. And you have grace too. Grace always comes with questions. Grace ends the argument. So whatever we're arguing about, whatever inner conflict is going on inside of you, how often you might even beat yourself up for finding out you're human, grace needs to silence that in your life. in this place right now in the name of Jesus with the last final few minutes in this place I'm going to ask a couple questions because Grace is going to lead me to ask you questions if you're here this morning you say Brian Pruitt I do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this is your moment of grace if you say Brian I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior would you just right where you at would you just slip your hand up you say, this is my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. Is that anybody? Just slip up, wave at me. Slip it up, wave at me. Praise God. Anybody in the house today? Praise God. Praise God. Second question. You say, Brian, I receive the grace and the mercy of God. There are certain areas I'm wrestling with, and I receive the grace Just come right now. Come on, right now. If you raise your hand, there's grace for you right here. Right now, if you raise your hand for any one of those reasons, that grace is raining right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you put that video up of it raining? That mercy is that mercy and that grace is flowing right now and it's raining over you. Some of you are saying, I just need to be washed of my past, it is haunting me. It is haunting me. I can't sleep. I don't believe I can be forgiven. And God says it's a lie. Your wrong, your sin is not more powerful than the blood. We don't sing amazing works. We sing amazing grace. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray over your sons and over your daughters right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for a wave, a river of grace to run across this altar right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Truth be told, many of us, many of us believe that our performance gets God's attention. And it does not. It's faith and grace. And it doesn't make sense to us because we live in a performance world. We live in a works world. And God is not like me. You don't have a resume big enough for him. Your DNA ain't deep enough for him. He just does it because he loves you. Grace. 
Father God, I pray those areas where healing need to take place in our lives, those areas where we may have grown up in homes, God, where our behavior brought about the love of people or the rejection of people. And now we bring this into our relationship with you, Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that we are rejected if we behave wrongly, but we are accepted if we, if we behave correctly. God, we don't understand this grace thing. We, it's a little bit confusing because that's not how mama was. That's, that's not how daddy was. That's not how my, my family was. And God says, I am not them, and this is not that. Welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. Now I need you right now to take your brokenness and your broken heart, your broken mind, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Lay it at the altar right now and you say, Brian, I came to give my life to Jesus. I want us all to pray the prayer together. Say, Lord God, I ask that you come into my life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose again. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's stay at this altar. We're going to worship and then I'm going to come back and close this thing out. Here. Let's give God a hand clap in this place. Take us in the worship, Pastor Kelly.
in that singing the song, Amazing Works, because it's not about works. It's not about your behavior. And that doesn't mean that you intentionally go and misbehave. But if my walk was based on my behavior, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Grace. He loves me.
job, guys. Y'all are awesome, as always. Beautiful, praise God. And I'm tangled. <laughs> and here we go.
Come on. 